0: This is the
1: Running Publix Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday.
0: Training
1: Tuesday.
0: Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. You guys have Kirk and Bracken coming at you today, and we are all jacked up because we just finished watching the Olympic Marathon trials, and we're fired up. We are hot
1: and bothered about running right now. There was a... Really, really entertaining men's and women's race today, and all we want to do is run. Unfortunately, Kirk already did his 16-mile long run today, and I'm all surgeried up over here, so we can't run right now, so instead, we're going to talk about running.
0: <laughs> we're going to bust out our pent-up energy on this podcast, so hang on, guys.
1: Stop if you haven't watched the U.S. Olympic trials. Go back and re-watch the entire race, then listen to this, and then choose some of the workouts we're about to talk about and go out and blast it if you haven't watched it, you missed a great race. Now we're moving on.
0: Okay. Bracken's so jacked up that we hopped on today, and he's sweating out his pit so bad. He ripped off his shirt. He'd been flexing for me for five minutes. It's true. I'm exhausted. He's I popped the top off, and I'm flexing my pecs here for Kirk. You know, I was uh, I was very impressed with uh, Nell Rojas, who dabbled in OCR last year. She hung on to the lead Pac-Man for she what? She did. 18 miles?
1: Yeah, 18-ish. She was in the top 10 the whole time, and and she's just gritty. We just finished talking about grit and staying power as king, especially in these championship-style races where things get a little, little tactical. She just laid it on the line and just kept her hand on the flame for a long time.
0: That lead women's group was at 533-mile pace through 18 miles before the players started separating. 533 pace for women. Through 18. Yeah. How does that make you feel about yourself, Brack? It makes me feel like shit. means that uh, I would have been able to stay with the lead pack.
1: <laughs> Surgery aside, if I was fit right now, I could stay with the lead pack for an hour.
0: Hey, that's impressive.
1: An hour. That's- in a two
0: and a half hour race, I wouldn't have made it halfway
1: <laughs> with these women.
0: But you would have looked beefy doing it in that matter. They are
1: so impressive.
0: Um. Uh, the men. The men, I think, were pulling through, like, what, Four. 445, 450 paces? They ran, through. like,
1: 513 or 520, and then right away, the schedule's like, nope, yep. dropping down to 448.
0: God, it's got me jacked up. And also feeling bad about myself to see those guys running those paces.
1: It's a reminder that there are levels to every game. <laughs> and there is usually a level above you.
0: Yeah, found that out by watching the trials. So, uh, Bracken... Today's Training Tuesday. Gosh, we're so damn sorry for missing last week's Training Tuesday. That might happen from time to time, but not this week. We're going to talk about compromised run workouts and our favorites because we've alluded to it a number of times on past episodes, and we thought, why dangle the carrot? Let's just give give it to
1: them. We're not carrot danglers here. (laughs) No, no dangling here. We talked about compromise running. We gave that one example of the Hobie Temple, but now we're just going to we're all fired up on a run in from the trials. We're going to give you our favorite workouts, our go to workouts, tell you how to do them, and then maybe have some workout horror stories mixed in there because running's not all. Peaches and butterflies are.
0: <laughs> Rainbows
1: and Skittles or any other amount of cute sweet things.
0: No, peaches and butterflies is, is definitely the expression bracket. Yeah, that's
1: a common vernacular.
0: <laughs> you, you nailed that you nailed that one. You're usually really good with your analogies, and and you know, but that one might be a little off. All right. So <clears throat> I'd say we got more follow-up questions about compromise running. And we mentioned this Hobie Tempo in our last uh podcast, uh, Bracken's flexing for me. It's very hard to, very hard to talk coherently, Bracken, when you do that. So, um, and so we just had so many follow-up questions about this like compromised OCR running that it just made sense to, to dive right into it. So, um, Bracken, why don't you start? Cause you introduced me to like OCR running, um, plyometric running, compromised running, broken running, you can call it. It's all, we all mean the same thing. Um, you introduced me to it. So let's start with the foundation. When did you start doing it and who introduced you to it and all of that?
1: Well, without realizing it, I started doing it back in basketball when we'd have to do wind sprints or gassers or what we'd call 16s in the middle of practice when you're tired from things. And it was always a terrible feeling. And then I got away from that. And I, did, I felt it for the next time during my first obstacle course race. And I thought, like, this is the worst feeling. My arms are so heavy and my quads are so heavy, and now I'm expected to run again. And so I did my first real compromised running workout the week after my first obstacle course race. Um, I had received an email that I'd qualified for the first-ever Spartan World Championship to be held in Glen Rose, Texas. It was going to be an 8 to 10-mile super with 30 some obstacles. And I realized I'm not in eight to 10 mile shape with that level of fatigue in me. So I started planning out workouts to simulate a race to get ready for it.
0: What was that first race you did? Where was it?
1: I was in Illinois in Marseille. They they call it Marseilles. It's spelled like Marseille, but it's Marseilles, Illinois. And it was a sprint. It was a legit like three and a half mile sprint.
0: Okay. And that was the one where Hobie Call was there and he yep. just smoked smashed you. Me. Yep. Smashed you. Um, okay, cool. I was just curious. So really your first compromised running workout was the race. Yep. <laughs> and then was from there, how yeah. bad was it? It was really bad. We went into a
1: barbed wire crawl that was a pretty long, it was probably like 60 yards of barbed wire crawl. I got up from it really tired, went over a wall and then came up and there were 60 more yards of crawl. And I got out of that crawl, and that doesn't sound like an obstacle to us anymore. But we didn't know about rolling at the time, and I army crawled it. So I had 100 to 120 yards of army crawling, where I was using my shoulders, and I was up on my toes and my forearms. That's it, and my core was rocked, and my I was just not used to this thing. I got up and I couldn't lift my arms up to run. I just ran, shaking my arms at my sides for like. A minute or two and that set the tone the race was so tiring unlike anything i'd ever done and so i stopped doing real speed work at all i did all my workouts my speed work my threshold work my long runs as compromised running for the next like 10 weeks to get ready for texas all right and i think that answers question number one which is what style of workouts can i do as compromised running and the answer in my book is all of them you can do speed work you can do threshold work you can do long runs you can even do easy runs as compromised running but i think where i would start is speed work i think it's the most bang for your buck is to do your fast work compromised
0: yeah my first experience my first race ever was a battle frog 10 mile it was like one of if not the last battle frog before battle frog went under that's a nasty, that's a nasty first obstacle course race to jump into. Was that a two-lapper? Yeah, yeah two lapper. That was my intro to the whole deal. Um, Mick Girillo was there. Mike Ferguson, Jordan Buscemi, um, Lierl Rugland. I didn't know any of these guys, but I uh, I was hanging on to Dear Life to Mike Ferguson and Mikhail Mick Jarillo, and we got to the double sandbag and they had double wreck bags. And I never carried sandbags before. So, you know, normally with a rec bag, you'd put one on your right shoulder, one on your left shoulder, because they're big and bulky. It's about the only way you can carry it. I thought it'd be a good idea to put one over my both shoulders, like hanging around my neck, and then somehow get the second one stacked on top of the first one. So I did the whole sandbag carry staring at my toes because my neck was so torqued from two sandbags stacked on top of each other. And I got done with that. And I think I lost like a minute to them. And I went to run again. And it was like my body like exploded from the inside out. And it was one of the worst feelings I'd ever had in my life. And that's when I started being like, oh, shit, like, I thought I was something and I felt like nothing. I was so embarrassed, broken. It was ridiculous. So that was my intro. And then I ended up seeking you out actually as a coach uh, a couple months after that, when I got rocked again at a Minnesota Spartan, It was like, (laughs) all right, it's time to, it's time to, you know, take this seriously. So um, do you, do you remember the first, uh, the first OCR workout you would prescribe an athlete? Is there one in particular? I remember the first one you prescribed me. First I ever, pre- it's usually one of
1: three. It would be an OCR 400s. It'd be Hobie Tempo or this one I always called the KDE.
0: Yeah. Tell me well, about KDE.
1: KDE was a, it's a pretty simple one. It's two minute pull or push. Or lunge but two minutes of heavy work that targets your legs and then five minute fast steady run and then two minute recovery so it's essentially nine minute rounds two of it being rest but you pull uh, a weight or push a weight or lunge just to get blown up and then you run hard for five minutes and recover
0: and this is named after some girl you went to high school with? You know, I can't get too far into the
1: story because it'll be too identifying.
0: <laughs> if anyone oh. went to, like, they will know. But I was named after someone in our past. Okay. It's you just just, wanna... some...
1: <laughs> just really, it was a, it was a, <laughs> how do you say
0: bracket? Bracken's turning red over there. It was a... i I'm going to pause for a second. He's, I to think not... to it. <laughs> he's, he's literally just embarrassed. I have,
1: I have no idea how to like say this. It's. Maybe you don't. She
0: was exhausting to deal with. <laughs> okay. And so it was this workout. <laughs> okay. That's that's fair. I know the real story, but you might have to message for details, listeners. So uh, first workout you actually prescribed me uh, was neither of those. Really? Neither. Neither of those. Uh, I think I fell into the middle of the training cycle that you were building for similar athletes. So you prescribed me OCR thousands, and every, every 200 meters on the track was broken up with Jump lunges, tuck jumps, burpees, hand-release push-ups. Um, you prescribed that to me on a Tuesday, and I didn't walk right until Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this is bullshit. He's trying to kill me. So
1: It was thousands where you do 200 push-ups, 200 tuck jumps, 200. So that right there yes. was one of the original three compromised running workouts That I did to prepare for that first year.
0: Oh, all right. Well, you tossed that one at me, and then I couldn't put my socks on for five days (laughs) because I couldn't touch my feet. So then let's let's jump into let's give some people some more specifics. So why don't we grab a workout? So I think the most common workout that and people, by the way, like grab a piece of paper and a pencil. Like we're giving this to you right now to put in your own pocket. For you guys to do. So we're going to talk specifics. We're going to talk rest. We're going to talk the intricacies of the workouts. Like you can steal them. That's why we're doing this. Okay. So we usually talk OCR miles or OCR 400s. We really mean the same thing. Okay. I would say that's like the centerpiece of an OCR compromise run workout. And then everything for me, like filters left or right of that. So do you want to tell people what an OCR mile is or OCR 400s?
1: Yeah. So this is a workout that you basically take a classic workout, which is six, 12 by 400 or 16 by 400 split up into four sets or three sets. Four by 400 with short recovery, take a longer rest, do that two more times. You've got a great workout. Except now instead of taking short rest in between the of 4 you're doing active work. And so an example of that might be, let's say your burpees suck and you need to work on running after burpees. You do 15 burpees, 400 meter run, 15 burpees, 400 meter run, 15 burpees, 400 meter run. And when you complete four of those, now you earn a three minute recovery session. So it's one mile worth of running, but it's broken up into 400
0: meter intervals with strength work in between. Right. And that strength work I'm going to use quotations, quotes here is air quotes. Strength work is your rest in quotes, which isn't much of a rest. So you're not getting any actual rest or recovery. So you're literally running a mile straight, but every quarter is broken up with uh, a movement like that. Yeah,
1: And it's a beautiful workout for a couple of reasons. One, you get to target certain things. The first is getting right in and right back out of obstacles. So you, I I used to do this on this uh, cloverleaf trail system where there were three loops that were all about 400 meters long. And then there was like a park bench in the middle. And as soon as I hit the bench, I would have to run until my foot touched the ground right on the left side of the bench. And I had to be on the ground doing my exercise by the time I got to the far end of the bench. And the bench is like seven feet long. So it really worked on accelerating all the way into the obstacle and then bam, get right down to the obstacle and then right back to running.
0: Right. when I. I realized the problem when I first started prescribing these type of workouts to athletes was they would say, well, I ran, I ran seven minute pace for my first OCR mile. And then I ran 730 for my second and this and that. And people were stopping their watch when they were doing their burpees. They were taking three seconds to shake out their legs and get their breath, doing burpees, taking another three seconds to, oh, just like get another breath and then run. And and that's not the point. In fact, you're missing the point if that's what you're doing. The point is, one total time for that mile, including your burpees, your transition time, everything. This last race in Jacksonville um, <clears throat> a week and a half ago was a great example of you know efficiency in and out of obstacles, in and out of <clears throat> tasks. Those ta- those, that time uh, adds up. So you are you are recording your total time for the total interval. Yes, pace matters, and you can take splits along the way, but you're not stopping and starting your watch only for your quarter miles. The whole sum total matters. And we like
1: the, that idea that your total sum matters because then it tells you exactly how you're doing. If all you do is time your run, you can really fudge the numbers of your workout. But if you record the entire time, if you go seven flat, seven thirty, seven thirty, you know what happened. And I also take splits throughout this. So on my watch, I take splits every time I stop and start. So I have my total mile time, but I also can see how are my burpee sets or jumping lunges or hand-release push-ups or med ball slams? Whatever you're doing to fatigue yourself, how does that change as I fatigue? And then what is the correlation on my run times? And 400 meters is a great distance because it's short enough that you can't fully recover in the rounds, but it's long enough that the running matters.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and to just make sure you understand the workout – you are running hard. Like this is very hard, very miserable type running. We're not just casually going through a mile at a, at a relaxed pace, you know, after each strength movement, like burpees, like you're hitting it. Like, as in, if you are the middle of a sprint effort race and you are, and you are attacking the run and the, the plyo movement every time so that you like you absolutely need that three minute recovery between sets.
1: In our last episode, we talked with uh, Ryan Kempson about doing workouts that make races easy, where you get done with a workout and you just know you're ready to hurt in a race. This is one of those. A lot of the times Kirk and I program work for our athletes, it doesn't exceed a 7 or an 8 out of 10 effort level. It's sustained, doable efforts. This is one where you are going to hurt and that is accepted. You're supposed to go hurt in a workout like this.
0: Yeah, and you guys haven't heard the Ryan Kempson episode yet because that's coming out on Friday. Oh, this next episode. But it's on its way. We're going to flash back to the future. Yeah, it's complicated.
1: However, Uh, yeah, this is a workout that I also have done on the opposite end of the spectrum. This is one that in prepping for Killington in the past and other beast races, I've done 24 or 30 by 400 straight with no rest, and I've targeted trying to run them all at like 10k to half marathon pace or even slower and just keep one steady grind throughout where now it's more like a straight tempo run with race effort work and slightly slower than race effort running so you can take the same principles and apply it to a slower one but the way kirk and i do this probably nine times out of ten is crack the whip go deep into the pain cave and get tougher because of it
0: yeah i think when i look at heart rate data Um, that, that workout gets me, especially by my last repeat. And we usually suggest three to five of these, Mm -hmm. by the way. So you're covering three to five miles of quality effort. Um, I'd say that's a good, if you've never done them before, shoot for three by OCR mile repeats with three minutes rest or recovery jog. I like to jog between them, but three to five is usually the target on that. But when I look at my heart rate data, by the time I hit like my fifth interval, it's probably the highest I see that week and maybe the next as far as effort goes. It's it's yeah. one where you you're almost you're tying up coming home on that last quarter pretty bad. And that's the the desired feeling. It is. And and you can do this for any style of race. I do the same workout with just
1: different strength work when I'm prepping for a stadium. Or if you're prepping for Decafit. You just sub in the exercise you're going the exercise you're going to have to do. And you can even sub out every other run for stadium stairs and do four hundred meters worth like in time worth of stairs instead and get back down. So it's, it's pretty adaptable. You can plug any strength exercise known to man in. It doesn't have to be just body weight. You can do thrusters. Thrusters are a great one to do in that. But uh, yeah, four by 400, three minute rest, three to five rounds. That is a bread and butter workout. I wouldn't do it every week, but you do it when you're ready to work skill, ready to work transitions, and ready to mentally sharpen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That one, uh, that one can take a little out of the tank and you got to be mentally prepped for for that workout. Um, I like to, cause you don't need equipment for it. I, I typically the ones that I've been doing recently would be starting with 15 burpees going into my quarter mile. Then I'll do 20 jump, uh, lunges, quarter mile, 20 jump squats, quarter mile back to 15, either hand release pushups or 15 burpees again to finish before my last quarter. Um, and you can just set your watch on your Garmin to do like quarter, like quarter mile segments, for example, and it'll just beep at you and you can be on the trails. You can do it anywhere, get to the ground, do your burpees, get back up. It's pretty simple to do without any real structure or track either, in my opinion. In fact, I think that workout should be done on the trails.
1: Yeah. I always do this one on race terrain. This is one where I'm working on race transitions on race terrain and I'll do the same thing. Set it to beep for a quarter mile Um, And then I'll set it to beep for 20 seconds or 30 seconds worth of work.
0: Cool. So, okay. So guys, we just gave you your first workout OCR mile repeats. Bracken likes to call them OCR 400s, whatever you prefer. So let's just dive again really quick. And we touched on it last episode, but just so we can give our listeners another one. Uh, the Hobie tempo run, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's just break it down. You have your pen, you have your paper, you're all jacked up to write all this down. So let's just make sure we get it to them. So what is the Hobie tempo?
1: So if that one was a nine or above out of 10 effort, this one is sitting in that eight range where this is what we would start to consider comfortably hard or uncomfortably comfortable, but this is this is more of that tempo run. You're taking a classic tempo run. Let's call it a five mile tempo and you're breaking it up with fatiguing exercises. So the way Hobie taught it to me and the way that I mostly use it is five minutes of running, drop down into 20 walking lunges and then 12 burpee broad jumps and then 20 more walking lunges and then pop right up and that's one round, and there is no rest right into your next five-minute run, and you shoot for, again, three to five rounds. Most people who are trying to get really good at OCR should be hitting four to five rounds for this, three on your entry level, but you're getting 20 to 25 minutes of threshold running, and you're getting four to five rounds of lunging and burpee broad jump to really fire your system up and make your heart rate skyrocket, your breathing, your arms, legs, all fatigue before you get back into smoother running than you were doing during the OCR 400s.
0: Yeah, I would say that workout usually starts at like a six or seven for me. I, I hate to tell, I mean, it ends at like a nine for me or so. But the end, if you run hard enough. So what I've done with it is I've done four or five five-minute segments. I like to start with five minutes of running and then at that five-minute mark, jump into my first yep. broken. So the, the lunges, burpee broad jumps, lunges. And then go back uh, for four or five rounds of that. And my goal actually for that is to keep, if not tempo pace, like 10 to 15 seconds per mile slower than tempo pace. If I were to just go for a pure tempo run, I'm probably not going to be able to hold that pace just because the legs are going to be fried, which is the point uh, from those stations. So um, pretty simple workout and that you should treat like if you're going to substitute a tempo day, uh, I, I would do it that way. hmm now, and, that, and that's a
1: simple workout and it can be done anywhere. And I alternate this workout. Sometimes I do it on just a flat path so that I can get um, some really consistent running going. Because a lot of times this this workout can be done um, before like a super. It definitely works for a sprint, but before a super, you get those sustained five minute sections of running. But then I also do it on a race terrain. Again, we talk about in this, uh, in one of our I, I can't remember if this was a past episode or you're about to hear it coming up, but I did this one running um, on the side of the road and then lunging and burping through, oh, it is the one we just did um, for um, in the drainage ditch to get ready for race terrain and wet cold. So these are ones, again, if you're transitioning, you might as well run in the style you're going to run in the race too.
0: Yeah, the Hobie Tempo is meant to be Again, the lunges, burpee broad jumps, lunges, but let's say pull-ups are a weakness here. The rope climb, you could do a loop around a park and then hit your, you know, go across the monkey bars for as long as you can or hit your pull-ups and then go to something else. A lot of things can be substituted. We're kind of giving you these workouts in their pure form.
1: And I do, I do um, two variations of this. The first is for people that really struggle with carries. This is a great way to do it do your five minute run, do a one minute very heavy carry, drop it and run again and keep carrying. You can alternate between sandbag or bucket or whatever you need to work on, but it's a great carry workout. It's also really good on a treadmill to work on your uphill running. So prior to Tahoe, I was Hobie Hobie tempoing on 20 to 25% incline, five minute uphill, drop down, do your lunges and burpee broad jumps. Now your legs and hips do not want to run again. And that's what you need to feel is getting back up uphill when your legs are barking at you.
0: Yeah. You just, um, you just made a good point about, you can translate these workouts to suit the race coming up. We're, I guess, just mentioning them on flat or rolling terrain. But if you have a mountain race coming up, you can simply change the elevation profile of your run. Now I want to go right to something you just talked about. Okay. So, so far guys, Sticking with me, you got your OCR mile repeats, you got your Hobie tempo. I'm going to give you the third one I want you to write down. This is called the dog loop. Okay, Ooh, dog loop. Oh, 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 dog loop. Okay, uh, again, this was, uh, I believe, developed by Mr. John Yatskow. I could John, be, incorrect. yeah, John Yatskow, uh huh, in Alaska,
1: yeah. I believe, Canada or Alaska.
0: Okay, and this is a workout that I really freaking like, especially before, like as you're building to mountain races in particular. but uh, you prescribed this one to me. Why don't you explain what the dog loop is? It's the third specific workout we're giving you guys.
1: So, In its purest form, the way that John Yatsko set this workout up is he was staying at this dog mushers, basically cabin, like a lean-to out in the middle of nowhere that dog mushers could come to and just stay in. It was unmanned. You stay in and move on when you're done. And he, he th- it was right on the side of a pond. And this pond was like a thousand meters around the pond. And so he'd put all his heavy carries down at the base of the, at the front door of the cabin, which was at right at the start of his pond loop. And he would pick one up. He'd pick his, uh, lightest one up or no, sorry. You pick your heaviest carry first and you run with it until you need to set it down. And you're trying to work hard with the carry. So yeah, you could carry it forever, but you're running faster than race effort on the carry. You drop it and now you run back. To your carries you pick up the second one run it all the way back up to the other ones drop it run back grab your third one carry it all the way up to the other two drop it run back to the start back to your carries and reset from that new point that's your new home base and so you keep doing this it's like a shuttle drill you keep shuttling your carries forward running back but each time you run all the way back to your original start line so the runs get longer as your carries get more fatiguing and your goal is to get all the way around your pond or until your time limit is set up.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I really like that workout. It's something I'm going to be doing myself here in the next week or two. Typically, we would have you grab a bucket filled with the right weight. We overfill our buckets, so we'll fill men's buckets with 70, 80 pounds. They've been a little lighter than that lately. We'll do a double sandbag or a single that's at least 70 pounds. And then we'll do a farmer's carry yep. with dumbbells. It's like 35 or 45 pounds is usually appropriate. So basically, like you mentioned, the focus of this workout is to work your carries. So the carries is the hard portion. So you are running with those carries as hard as you can. And then you're and then you're not recovering, but you're you're backing off the throttle and running back to where your last carry is still sitting on the ground and then shuttling. So yeah, it's, it's, but the carry is the focus of this workout. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I focus on the carries and I focus on
1: the transitions. As soon as I drop mine, I basically, I'm trying to be Ryan Atkins. I'm trying to carry really fast and then sprint out of the carry just for like 10 strides. And then I settle into a fast, but very aerobic run and kind of high end aerobic, just toe in that line a little bit but I only run fast the first 10 steps out of the carry and then the first 10 steps back into the carry
0: okay I'm gonna uh, give you a twist on this and it's something you prescribed and then I sort of uh you about to talk fast finish well start finish and middle so yeah if you want to work on running hard you know and if you feel like coming out of the carries is a problem for you You'll do your warm up run and then you will do basically a fast or all out mile to start the workout. When that mile ends, you immediately pick up your first carry and go. You do this for a roughly a half an hour of just carrying and shuttling. Once you hit a half hour, you run yourself another all out balls to the wall mile. And then you go back to another half hour of carrying and then you finish with another all out mile. So you have three really hard mile efforts. By the time you hit that second and third hard mile, you're really fatigued from all the the load of the carries and it's forcing you to work through that and train that system. So you start with a hard mile, dog loop for 30 minutes, another hard mile, dog loop for 30 minutes, and then bookend it with another hard mile to finish. So it's kind of like a big sandwich of dog loop. Now I've done the fast start, fast finish. I've never done the fast middle. Yeah. I like that. And when you
1: do that, then it does really put the emphasis on recovering on the runs. The harder you do the miles and the harder it makes the carries, then you have to, yeah, you will back off slightly on your runs because you got to recover somewhere.
0: Yeah. That's, I guess that's how I've always looked at it. I guess I didn't know. You could, I suppose you could treat it almost as like a tempo or threshold effort. If you're like I'm just going to put the floor, the pedal to the metal for 45 minutes and work everything. It could do that too. Mm -hmm. Whatever you feel like you
1: need. Yeah. Yeah. You could use it as a time trial day, but I generally don't. And I've extended this all the way to 90 minutes and made it a long effort. Yeah, The way I do that then is I run extra time. I'll go back, forth, back, forth, carry, and just make the runs longer. But that's just a a specific way of doing it. But yeah, the general dog loop or a fast start, fast middle, fast finish, that's very race specific. And it it gets you ready to close down a race and gets you ready to handle surges in the middle of a race.
0: Yeah, it does. It really does. And I like that workout for almost like a long run on a Saturday because you'll do like a two-mile warm-up-ish, and then if you add in the fast start, middle, and finish miles, plus 60 minutes of dog looping, plus a cool down, you're talking on your feet for hour 45, even up to two hours. Um, that's a big day of working out. That's a long-run substitute if you're looking to spice things up a little bit and work your carry. So that's what I've done in the past.
1: Kirk, I haven't done a dog loop in several years, and you've got me all – and for a dog loop oh you should do a dog loop we should do yeah. one together we should i used to live when i lived in colorado with this perfect public land right out our back door and that's where i dog loop and it was awesome and when we moved back i stopped doing dog loop gasp yeah so so I'm going to piggyback off that. This isn't one we talked about doing, but you joggled my memory. So I said I did three OCR workouts or truly it was four. I did four OCR workouts for 10 straight weeks. I would do one every three days or so. And the second one I did was one of my favorite ever. And that was Bigfoot. You ever Bigfoot. remember doing Bigfoot?
0: You never prescribe Bigfoot, and to my knowledge, yeah, it's a little trickier to set up. If
1: that's ah, ah, whatever, we're not even gonna give people excuses. Bigfoot's an awesome workout, and this one's named after Bigfoot State Park in Wisconsin. This is where I did it. So this parking lot um, had next to it, along the lakefront, it had two. It had a lagoon with two bridges across it, and from the uh, the picnic pad, concrete pad area around the little. Um, bridge in back was 500 meters and around the long one in back was 900 meters and so i would run a hard 900 carry a hard 500 run a, fi- a hard 500 and then do a 100 meter drag back and forth and that was one round okay so run double distance carry half distance run half distance carry ju- or a drag just out and back and that could be lunges instead and that's one round and i would do that straight for time if I was prepping for a sprint, I'd do the best work I could do in 40 minutes. If I was prepping for a super, I'd do a 60-minute workout. And if I was doing a beast, I'd do an 80 or 90-minute workout. But just matching the effort to the type of race you're going to do. But same kind of thing. is It's like a combination between dog loop and uh, OCR 400 where effort's in the middle. The runs and carries are hard, and it's more like a time trial setting.
0: Okay. I like that one. I
1: loved it. And the way it was set up at that park was perfect. It just always kept you doing something new. And then afterwards you could jump in the lake and swim and cool down. It's great.
0: With, uh, with that dog loop workout, we're talking about another way it can be done. Again, if you have mountain races coming up, it can be a little tricky to be dog looping through like mountain trails. This can be a tough one. Um, if you have a ski hill or you have something, uh, that you can run up and down repeatedly, a uh, way you can simulate a dog loop. If you have, uh mountain races coming up is you can carry up and down a hill or a section of your trail make sure it's pretty steep and aggressive you can carry up and down it for roughly five minutes and then you can simply just either recover on the bottom or run up and down without uh, an object in your hands and then rinse and repeat that so a lot of times i have a local ski hill i'm here in minnesota the closest one i have is only 150 feet of gain so i will carry up and down the ski hill once and then i will run up and down the ski hill uh one to three times without anything and then i just repeat that cycle carry once up and down then just run up and down two to three times and repeat you can kind of modify that uh for the terrain you're you're training for
1: i have done that workout at the same time as you several times but i wouldn't classify it as doing it with you because kirk every time we do this workout has just put me into the dirt
0: yes i have
1: that that man has something going on with these uphill dog loop workouts and he and they have an understanding and he drops me.
0: Was the last time you did a dog loop workout with me, probably?
1: That would have been that, uh, yeah. the only time I've done it since Colorado would be at Highland Ski Hill. It,
0: that'd be two two years ago in April. That was a big so workout though too. That was a big we saw snow on the hill there. Yes we did. There is still snow there. Yeah, that was that was a gritty one. Um, okay, another workout. So so far we definitely give you guys OCR Mile repeats, the Hobie Temple, the Dog Loop, a couple of variations of the dog loop. Um one that has been really effective for me, especially because I live somewhere without mountains, um, is the plate drag into tempo. I don't know what you call it. Again, this is a workout you prescribe, so I'm kind of thiefing you over here. But the ones that have stuck over the years are the ones that I've either continued to do or, you know, tweaked on my own and made it some a version of something. So plate drag workout is uh, basically I take a battle rope and I weave it through a 45 pound plate that you'd find in the gym. Okay. So I like this workout for a couple of reasons. Um, I probably should tell you what the workout is first. So basically it's a two minute drag followed immediately by like a five minute tempo effort run this workout only has two minutes rest to recovery. It's KDE. Is that KDE? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Katie. So, so KDE, we'll I guess. come you... back
1: to KDE again.
0: Yeah. That woman just haunts us, doesn't she? She won't let you go. She's she got a tight
1: grip you. around you, Kirk, and she won't let you go. So I
0: like, I'll let you elaborate on this, but I like this workout for a couple of reasons. One, do this workout on like the grass and the drag that that plate creates is heavy, heavy, heavy. And now you don't use any harness. I don't like a chest harness or a tire drag system. So you're grabbing onto that fat battle rope with your hands with all that resistance. So by the end of the two minutes, you're running at a hard effort for this. Your grip is blown out and your quads are completely fucked. I don't know how else to say it. You get done with that two minutes of a hard drag, and then you have to get up to race pace effort for five minutes. Um, You've hit every system. You've worked your grip. You've burnt out the quads to simulate either climbing or a compromised run. And then you go into that tempo effort. Um, That workout always like jumps my fitness to the next level. Every time I start throwing that in, I start to feel bulletproof. That workout humbles me in the moment, but then uh, always comes full circle. How do you feel about that workout? I I feel the same way you do. And I actually, the vast
1: majority of the time I do KDE, I do that same thing. I, I don't have a battle rope. I use a regular diameter rope. Um, but I, yeah, I pull behind me the whole time so that I blow out my my forearms as well. And I actually used to do that on the grass, but then I moved to a city, and it's just harder to get to where I'm going. And I usually, you know, with I have more kids now, and I like to work out from the house whenever I can. So I got a just a a, a pickup truck tire. I put a little um, piece of plywood at the bottom of it inside of it so that i could put sandbags on top of it so i just have a pickup oh. truck tire i plop a sandbag on top and i run dragging that around the block or up and down my my driveway and it does the exact same thing same thing it does not give you smooth resistance you got to run hard against it
0: That's would say uh that's a really good that's a pretty simple uh fixer yep just put an eye bolt through it and tied a rope to it yeah and i think you, you'll you realize the magic of that workout when you are finally done with your drag like the first 30 seconds of that drag will be like oh this is no problem and the last 30 seconds are going to seem like the longest 30 seconds of your life and when you drop that and you instantly go into your five minute tempo effort or hard effort run uh the way you feel blown up is like god it's just it's one of the closest race simulation feelings i get in a workout
1: mm-hmm. is
0: when i transition from that plate drag to the tempo and i go five Three to five rounds of this, I usually do it on the higher side of five and only two minutes rest or recovery in between. So if you think about that, that's five, seven minute efforts. That's 35 minutes of pretty hard work. That's a, that's a big day. So plate drag interval is one of my favorites. Uh, I like to do that a week out from a, a race, uh, because then on race day, I, I'm familiar with that feeling. Cause I felt it the week before. Yeah. And this
1: is a very OCR specific workout also from a pacing strategy. Because in nor- the first round of pulling that just isn't as difficult as it's going to be later, but you can't feel that it's going to get worse. The first round, at two-minute drag, it's just you're working, especially for that first minute, like Kirk said, you're working faster than you should because you have to to get any stimulus out of it. And you come back into the pit at round two and round three, and now you're struggling to even jog with the drag. And that's exactly how OCR is. You get suddenly a mile in and it's like, oh my goodness, who took my legs? And that's what this workout does. So it gets you used to a hot start and then having to rally yourself, get out of it and get your arms and breathing and legs back under control while still running an honest clip. And if you're a heart rate training person, this is the time you can do that. Get out of there, see how quickly you can get your heart rate back under a certain level and then how fast you can run while keeping your heart rate there.
0: So what kind of pace do you, let's just say you're running flat-ish trail terrain, rolling, but nothing crazy. What kind of pace, for perspective, uh, what kind of pace are you hoping to run for this five minutes after your two minute drag? I'm in good shape if I'm keeping half marathon pace. Okay, exactly. I try to run 540 pace and it hurts, it's painful. In fact, I probably start running or at six minutes, 610 pace. And once I shake the legs off, the second half of that I'm running 530, 540 pace.
1: last time i did this oh it was hot we were at lisa's family reunion not family reunion every year we do like a week-long camping trip it was like 90 some degrees in wisconsin it's humid there's mosquitoes everywhere while i'm trying to do the pull. i remember trying to hit 552 on this road mile loop and i like started out 538 (laughs) and i was like oh no and then the next one was 552 on the dot and then it was like six six ten six twelve because it's exactly like OCR is. If you overextend early, you pay for every second
0: later on. I would call it a great workout to learn your body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, learn your effort. I've actually done the same damn workout. In fact, I left the workout after one ra- two rounds because the mosquitoes were so bad. So your arms are tied up holding these fucking ropes and you can't <laughs> slap mosquitoes. And by the end of the two minutes in this park at like sunset, I bet you I had 30 of them on me and they're on my face and in my eyes and I have nothing to slap them with because my hands are tied up. I said, screw that. Bracken, I'm going to do something different, but tell you, I still did the workout.
1: (laughs) Thank you for coming. (laughs) Yeah, Four (laughs) years later. It was a good cathartic experience for us.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, that was a bad one.
1: All right, so I'm going to move away from like really – I mean these are like semi-technically well-thought-out workouts or like we chose the work durations intelligently and, and intentionally to a workout that the only purpose is to hurt and get better at hurting while hurting. <laughs> Ooh, you piqued my interest. Fan bike 5K, Kirk.
0: Oh, yeah, that Fan was bike up.
1: 5K. So you get on an assault bike or an airdyne and you do 30 calories 20 if you're on an assault bike 30 if you're on an airdyne 30 calories 800 meter run wash and repeat rinse and repeat six times and then you add the extra tenth of a mile at the end you run a 5k total and you do six rounds of 30 calories on the assault bike And it is just a suffer fest. You hurt exactly as bad as you want to. You get whatever you want out of this workout. If you're willing to hurt, this is your day that you can just get better at being a tough SOB. And your compromised running starts round one and it continues. Like this workout is not one you should do often. But if you're struggling with transitions, struggling at getting tough in races, hit this one for like two or three straight weeks and you will be a tougher person. Fan bike five k.
0: I really and do you finish that five k? So the last eight hundred is really like a nine hundred meter. Yep. Okay, nine, so you're not nine, like two. okay, you're not like hopping on the fan bike and then finishing out point one of a mile. Correct. Okay, so to reiterate, it's you well, start. Well, no, 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 you are because oh, you, you are.
1: have to hit six rounds on the fan bike.
0: Okay, so you're starting on the fan bike. You start on the fan bike for twenty or thirty calories, depending on which bike it is. Correct. And then you go into your 800 fan bike, and then you finish on the fan bike, and then have your 0.1 to make your 5K. That's
1: where I was wrong. If you're starting on the fan bike, you finish with 960. Okay, got it. If you start on the run, you finish with fan bike
0: and then 160. And something we should let them know is we don't give a shit about your 5K time. We give a shit about the whole sum total of that workout. Yeah, we want to know how fast you're running, but your effort you're giving on the bike matters, how quick you're hopping off and on and dragging your feet. Everything matters. Transitions are king. So I'm, I'm just assuming that's what how you yeah. approach the workout. This is one of those where I take
1: splits for it. So I start my watch and I start hamming on the bike. And as soon as I get off the bike, I stop the watch. I, or not stop, I hit split. I hit split as soon as I start running. So when I come back in the next round, I hit split as soon as i cross my line for 800 meters and my transition time then is included in my bike time so i cross the line hit the watch hop on the bike hop off the bike cross the line and hit it again so my runs are always immaculate in their timing and my work is tied to the transition just like it is in a race
0: but you're still getting a sum total for the sum total for the whole thing i like that i like that workout i've done a version of that uh with some rest planned and it was still miserable so uh yeah. that one sounds like a like a doozy
1: this, this this is when i started doing building up to a stadium race that i had to win to win the series and i was coming off of an injury and i was out of shape and so i did this 5k time trials and ocr tempos and that was it i just kept hitting those same things getting tough getting fast and tempoing and i got to the race and i felt and we talked about that Mm -hmm. i looked down um it was fenway park i looked down like 15 minutes into the race and my heart rate was 160 and i was chilling and i've Mm -hmm. never been chilling in a stadium race before but i just thought like and i this cannot be as bad as those fan bike 5ks and it cannot be as bad as a 5k time trial so whatever do what you want to me today boys but i'm here to race
0: yeah, and that workout's a good workout too for if you're coming back from injury and you can't put as much time on feet as you would like, it's a good way to extend a workout um, when it's broken up like that so you get great, great, great benefit from the whole deal. Longer time and duration than you maybe are allowing yourself to spend on your feet uh, by combining the two. So I like that too when you're coming back from injury because it's it's a safer bet.
1: I'm going to look up my time that I did on mine I, and I while you, while you talk here, and I'm going to throw it out there to see if anyone – if anyone thinks that they're going to beat me on this fan bike 5k.
0: Yeah. Brag a little bit. I know no. it was fast. I know it was fast. So we talked about it and you were telling me the pace you were keeping. And it was impressive. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess what your time was. I think your time was with transitions, the cows. I think you ran 24, 30.
1: 20, 44 was my first attempt.
0: Oh shit. Fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone can break 20, I think you're hauling. I think I might have broke 20 on my second one, 19 high. And that's about as fast as I went that year.
0: It's impressive. Thank you. How did I, that I just do this podcast to brag? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, it's an ego boost. I mean, you flexed for me for five minutes. You're sitting there shirtless, just I, waiting for boost. me to compliment. you.
1: pouring sweat. I'm going to have to wash my... Everything I'm sitting on. You look
0: more and more like Mister Clean the more you've been weightlifting.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, if I started tanning.
0: Was he a tan man? I envisioned him being white and sparkly. I don't know. I'll take sparkly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So so far we've given you to recap just to make sure you got your ducks in a row. We've given you OCR mile repeats, Hobie tempo, dog loop, the plate drag intervals, and we talked about the fan bike 5K. Okay. I just think. The one area we've missed so far, we've missed the mark on, is we haven't talked about climbing and how we can maybe some climb-specific compromised workouts. Okay, now I did mention that we can you could take all of these and and convert them into a climbing type workout, but I feel like there's a few that I do that I save for either my incline treadmill or a mountain. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any? That come to I mind do, off the but top,
1: but you do them more than I do, and I think you're you're the expert on these. So you lead off, and if you don't have one that I do, I'll fill you in at the end.
0: Okay. Well, the first one is your workout, and you're <laughs> not, and I not set and myself not, up
1: for another ego boost.
0: Yeah, you did. Um, is called the grind. Okay. And so I was, I was, I'm going to lay you up so you can explain it. Okay, because I believe you came up with this workout. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell the good people what the grind is? The grind is as simple and as nasty as it comes. It's, it's like the it's like the endurance
1: version of the Fan Bike 5K. So you run on the treadmill for, correct me if I'm wrong, Kirk, 90 seconds. 90 seconds, yep. At, um, now, you can do whatever incline you want. We always just said 15% because that's the max that most people's treadmill goes. But if you have an incline trainer, man, get weird. Get wild yep. on that thing. But 15% incline for 90 seconds. And then you hop off and you have 30 seconds to complete. What was it? Seven burpees, seven burpees, seven burpees and get back on the treadmill and you just yep. keep going. And I'm every- going to
0: stop you real quick. Yeah. So just to reiterate, cause this is going to sound complicated and it is not complicated. And this workout is fantastic. So like really fantastic. So this is one you got mountain races coming up. I would consider. So, You run for 90 seconds and you're picking a difficult run pace, like a tempo effort type run pace, I would call it, okay? You're running for 90 seconds and then in that 30 seconds after that run, you do your seven burpees. Now, let's say it takes you 20 seconds to do those seven burpees. That means you have 10 seconds to stand there because every two minutes you have to be back on the treadmill. So you have 90 seconds of running and you have a 30 second window of time to get your seven burpees completed. If you complete those burpees with 10 seconds to spare or whatever it is, that means you get to stand there until that two minute bell comes around. And at that two minutes, you have to be back on the treadmill again.
1: And this is a cumulative fatigue workout because early on seven burpees, you might get them done in 12 seconds, 14, 15 seconds. And suddenly by around 10, 20, 30, you're realizing, shoot. I'm almost going to miss my cutoff and it makes you start working harder on the burpees. Your rest gets less. And what did we say? Every five rounds earns you a 60 second recovery round.
0: Every five rounds you get one minute rest. So you finish your, your seven burpees and then you get an extra minute. So instead of starting every two minutes, you just basically give yourself an extra minute. So you'd go on the third minute and then you start another cycle of five.
1: So it's rounds of five with one minute recovery in between. And you go until you cannot make it back on the treadmill in those 30 seconds or until you can't keep your pace any longer.
0: Yep. And so the A standard, uh, if you like want to call yourself a Spartan elite waiver or pro waiver is we like to have you, if we're talking 15% now, just because most people's treadmill stop there, six miles an hour at 15%. The B standard would be five and a half miles an hour. The C standard would be five miles an hour. And I think if you can keep any one of those, you're definitely like an age group or an elite athlete. And then you go down from there, four and a half, four, whatever it needs to be to to sustain. You're, You're hoping to get 20 or more rounds in this. So if you go out too hot and then for the women, I believe the A standard is five miles an hour. Then it goes four and a half and four miles an hour at 15%. Is that correct? Yeah. And that's A standard
1: for elite athletes. So it's not A-athletes, okay. b athlete, C, it's A, B, C in the elite field. So if you're an open athlete, don't start at four and a half and be like, well, if I can't make this, I'm a D-athlete. No, you'd be a
0: D-athlete out of the pros. Is that okay? That's, that's how it works. And what's the, uh, at six miles an hour, I believe, I sent you a text last winter. I think I did 42 rounds of this. And you start doing the math on that and it with the extra minute rest every five rounds, it was a 90-minute push of uphill running and burpees. And you're getting like 4,000 feet of gain, and you're getting hundreds of burpees,
1: and it's slow drip. First five rounds is a sleepwalk. Next five, you're awake. Next five, you're fighting to stay on. It just it gets to you like it's a beast does.
0: Yeah, this is a beast, exactly.
1: mountain beast prep workout.
0: Yeah, so the grind is a fantastic prep compromised run workout. When you got mountains coming up, I will be doing that workout at least once, um, before Montana. Uh, maybe, maybe even a version of it a second time where I add some flavor to it. Um, but the grind is a great one. I probably stole the one you would have brought up, huh?
1: No, I actually, I was just going to do our uphill version of fast start, fast finish Hobie temple or dog loop or any of those where you and I like to buy in and buy out with thousand foot gains on our treadmill prior to tempo in the middle of tempo and at the end of tempo yeah elaborate on it uh kirk and i have incline trainers so we'll put it to 25 30 35 percent and do a thousand foot buy-in basically to our workout and then head out for our four to six mile tempo get back in and then cash out with another thousand you could do that for your hobie tempo you could do a 500 foot gain, Hobie temple, 500 foot gain or dog loop. Instead of fast start, fast middle, fast finish miles, you could do 500 foot, to thousand foot gain on the treadmill, but that is as compromised as it gets.
0: Yes, it is. And that always makes your middle efforts kind of feel like shit when you don't realize what climbing does to your speed until you uh, climb hard and then go into like interval work and then see how your body responds. It's a, it's a really good uh, race sim. I will like to tell you, Bracken, rest in peace, I had an incline trainer. No. Well, I still have my incline trainer, but this idiot, me, was on it doing a sweat fest, okay, two weeks before Jacksonville, which in hindsight, I shouldn't have been doing this workout two weeks before Jacksonville, but, um, and I was so sweaty, I was carrying my bucket on my shoulder at 40% incline and it slipped off and landed on the belt. My bucket weighs just shy of 80 pounds. Mm. I cra- I cracked the whole skid plate underneath the belt. I literally sunk in like as it hit, and my treadmill basically exploded. So I fucked my treadmill up, Bracken. That's so sad. And guess what, though? Somebody was on my side because I bought a three-year warranty with it, and it had four days left. I've I bought my treadmill this time three years ago, so I called them, and I got a new plate sitting in my house. I just have to become a technician. That never happens. Swear to God. Oh, I have a broken, not even a broken.
1: I have an incline trainer in my garage that just needs a new belt.
0: Oh, God. I have one
1: in my basement that works. (laughs) I just (laughs) got a new one. (laughs) I wasn't going to wait around for a new belt. I needed a new one anyways, but now I just got to get that second belt on there, and now I've got dueling incline
0: trainers. Well, your treadmill is probably in better shape at the moment than mine is. Oh, Unfortunately, cost of hustling, I guess, cost that's of right. hustling. But guess who bought another three-year extended warranty when my <laughs> this guy, that's worth its weight right there. This is a
1: side PSA announcement. Anyone who ever asked me about incline trainers, I say two things. If you don't live in the mountains, it is the absolute must-have tool for a serious athlete, and you must get the warranty. They are not designed for the level of hustle you are about to put on it. If you're asking questions like, should I have an incline trainer for prepping for a mountain? If you're prepping for something on an incline trainer, you're going to break it someday. So get the warranty.
0: 100%. I'm so glad I did. And another thing you'll notice is the nature of what we do is all the incline work. And if you're doing heavy carries, it becomes a sweat fest and a lot of your sweat can get into like the screen technology. I have the X22i with a 22 inch HD screen, which is completely unnecessary, but uh, I'm getting weird shorts with it and stuff because I've just sweating it so much. So there's like a few little things I could go wrong. Yeah, the, the incline trainer, uh, I'm very glad I bought that warranty in hindsight. My Absolutely. bone move. Of course I told them that I was, it just cracked. I don't know what happened. <laughs> so just some started cracking. Don't tell anybody guys. Hopefully nobody at Track listens <laughs> to this. <laughs> If
1: they do, someone's gonna buy an arti track off this podcast and you've just paid for Kirk's
0: replacement. So it's a wash. It's a it's wash. It's a wash. Um, all right. With the incline OCR workouts, you can translate any of the ones we had mentioned onto elevation. So you guys got that. Yeah. Any other workouts that you feel deserve to be mentioned?
1: You know what? There are probably thousands, but I think we've given people enough right now that they have actionable workouts without having so many that they have Tough decisions to make. So at yeah. this point, use them, utilize them, and if you need more, start reaching out to us.
0: Uh, I guess uh, one other thing I think we should talk about real quick. I'm just thinking if I were listening to this and you know hadn't done this before, mm-hmm. how often should we do an OCR or a compromised running workout, and when would we place them into our training schedule? What would you say? It's a hard question to answer. It but is. We're, Yeah, let's just give it a try. For the
1: average person, I think you should be compromised running once per week minimum. I think that as races approach, I think you ramp it up. The same way you would ramp up speed work as you're getting ready for a track 5K or a mile, you ramp up compromised running as you get ready for an OCR event. That's my answer.
0: Okay. Um, I think my answer is at a minimum every other week. Once at a minimum, like a maintenance level, just to make sure you don't completely lose sight of that energy system. Um, I'm starting to realize maybe one every ten days for me, which means one really short, fast, hard, intense workout, and then one I will work into a long run like the next week. So I'm doing it like on a Tuesday, and then the following Saturday, ten days later, and then again on a Tuesday and the following. That seems to be a nice schedule. That way you can get some of your true speed work in and and, and other work. It's a, you know, we're always moving the chess pieces. Um, I would say this is a, these OCR workouts aren't something you want to do within like three days of a race. I probably wouldn't do them in those closing days. Um, just because sometimes that residual fatigue can sit in there. If you've been doing them a long time, you can probably get away with it. But if it's a newer, you know, it's a newer skill that you're working on and you have a race coming up and you think, Oh, it's Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm going to go give OCR mile repeats hell. Well, you might show up on the starting line sore still. So just something to keep in mind. Again, once you get into them, you can get away with a little closer to race day. But I might might skip them. Give yourself a week after it um, if you're newer to them.
1: I agree with all of that, but I'm going to have a caveat that I add on there. And that is that I often do OCR 400s on the Tuesday before a race, but I keep it to two rounds. Okay. Sometimes three, usually two. I crack the whip, take extra recovery like five minutes instead of three, I get that sting of the workout, but I do not accumulate any real damage. So that race day, I know I'm still familiar and comfortable with pain and running hard, but like you said, you don't want to do anything race pace. I mean, anything race week that undoes all the work you did. The greatest ability you can have, Kirk, availability. When you get to race, race day, all the work you put in, you want it available to you. And so there's, you're right. There's nothing worth compromising on race week.
0: Yeah. And that means you're hitting those efforts really hard, giving yourself more rest and then reducing the volume if it is a race week. Yeah. And you do that on like a Tuesday if you had a Saturday race. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. One of my two
1: go-to race week workouts. Okay. What's the other one? Save it for a, a taper or a sharpening or taper week episode.
0: Yeah, we do need to do a sharpening and taper week episode. One thing that we would love is, you know, we have topics that we think are important to cover for these training Tuesdays, but what I'm realizing is I don't think like everybody who listens to this in the sense, like we take a lot of this for granted and, and maybe questions that arise for you, like you can get in touch with Brack or I on Instagram and shoot us your questions. I have a list now of questions that have come in. Um, and I think we want to do like a listener Q and a sort of with training topics. Um, so shoot those over to us. In fact, those are really helpful and we listen to you as far as like what we're going to cover next. It seems like whatever has the highest demand will prioritize on the list of things to talk about. Tapering's probably a good one. I think so. Uh, yeah, but just respond. And also not to just do too much of a, you know, I don't know, asking you to share, but, um, we really appreciate the fact that uh, some of you have been really good about sharing like our uh, new podcast on your Instagram stories, all of that. Just know that that doesn't go unnoticed. Your reviews don't go unnoticed. I think, Bracken, did you look? We got like doubled our reviews and we got a bunch of um, mm-hmm. uh, like that stuff, Matt, like that makes my day. And if you respond, like I'll definitely respond to you and share um, anything you put out on social media, we will share. Except for that
1: uh, one, which one star review we got.
0: Got that one star. One
1: star. Right now, I understand we could be a two or a three to some people, but a
0: one, <laughs> please tell me you misclicked. Really grinds my gears. Man,
1: we hate that those guys so much. They're a one. We're getting the lowest <laughs> grade
0: possible. Come uh, on, it's, guys. It's a good thing we have a self-esteem kind of. That's right. Maybe we can maintain that. One out of five? <laughs> That's
1: 20%. If that was a standardized test. <laughs> Come we on. Failed. No we one failed.
0: does 20% on a test. I'm just
1: we kidding. We, we like all reviews. We'll take your one stars.
0: That's good. Thank you for that one star uh, user. Okay. Okay. Anything Anything else you need to add to this?
1: No, we broke our one-hour barrier on Training Tuesday, so now we got to
0: get out of here. This was originally supposed to be a 20 to 30-minute deal, and our Tuesdays are becoming hours. Fail. We're out the door. Let's get out, Kirk. Compromise running, people. You
1: got to do it.
0: Do it. We'll